0: Welcome to the ADS Podcast. This is where we talk about all things audience development for the arts related. Join us for discussions about audience building tips, ideas, concepts, and philosophies with sometimes brought in special guests. And now, here's your latest podcast for you. Welcome to the ADS Podcast, this is Shoshana Finitsa from Audience Development Specialists here for another entertaining look at Audience Development for the Arts. And today we have a guest with us, Dan Marr of the Diablo Ballet. I'm very excited because he has been in the industry for a long time as well. And he is an audience development specialist like me. So you can join in on our conversation about all things audience development. And before I invite Dan to the show, I'd like to read his his bio that he sent to me, so you know how much involved he is in audience development. Dan Marr is an arts marketer who doesn't want to exist in an industry that accepts business as usual. Bringing new visions to such performing arts organizations as the San Francisco Playhouse, Diablo Ballet, and the San Francisco Opera's Merola Opera Program, his work in reinventing how the arts engage and cultivate audiences has been recognized as a leading industry source. He currently is Director of Audience Development and Digital Strategy for Diabo Ballet in the San Francisco Bay Area. Dan has been a guest speaker at several arts marketing conferences, such as The Americans for the Arts National Arts Marketing Project Conference, Opera America, Arts Reach, Development Executives Roundtable, talking about audience development and the use of social media to engage audiences. His marketing work has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian UK, The Clyde Fitch Report, Wired, USA Today, and seen on CNN. He has discussed his work with audience development on several podcasts, including Dave Wakeman's The Business of Fun and The Well-Attended Podcast. His disruptive arts marketing projects have been featured in popular industry books, Standing Room Only, Marketing Insights for Engaging Performing Arts Audiences by Joanne Schaff bernstein and Building Communities, Not Audiences, The Future of the Arts in the United States by Doug Borwick. So I'd like to take this time to welcome Dan Marr to the ADS Podcast. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you? I'm glad to
1: be here. Thanks for having me. Oh,
0: thanks for stopping by. I was so excited when you said yes, because I feel we're audience development kindred spirits.
1: <laughs> yes, there there are a few people out there, and uh, as we'll probably get into, I wish there were
0: more. I do, too. I do, too. I just want to tell our audience that I've been following Dan's career a little bit. And every time he posts something, I just go, yes, that's it. That's it. So he gets it. And the reason why we're having Dan on the show today is we're going to be talking about audience retention. And it's basically based on a post that I saw on Medium that he recently posted called They Came, They Saw, They Left the how of why you need to cultivate your arts audiences. So that is why Dan is here and I'm very excited to get started. So oh am I. So the one thing I want to just start out talking about is uh, a little bit about you and to find Mm -hmm. out how you got into the arts and how audience development became something important to you.
1: Yes, I've always been a fan of the arts, even though I haven't worked in it. My background originally was in uh, local radio and television in San Francisco, always behind the scenes, but I always enjoyed the arts. Uh, what, What was very much kind of the audience that I want to cultivate now, I enjoyed the arts, But I really wasn't motivated enough to go to shows all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, as things will happen in life, I made a switch from broadcasting. I went into the performing arts for many, many years and did that around the country. And then uh, about the late 2000s, um, got a switch back into marketing because I was thinking, you know, this is wonderful. It's all great to be on stage and do a show. But what is motivating those people in those seats watching me? What is making them want to come and see this show? And I found that to be an extremely curious and very um, interesting area to find and to dive into. I went back into arts marketing. I've worked for many uh, different companies, everything from uh, local theater to uh, San Francisco opera, and have always wanted to find out what makes people tick. How do we in the arts connect the dots? How do we bring them in? That's exactly it. And so that has really been my motivating passion for, I would say, the last 10 years. Wherever I've worked, it's always been coming into an organization, which is either relatively new or uh, a little bit seasoned, but has really not found the way to engage to cultivate, and to retain. And I think those are the three important points that any arts organization should be looking at nowadays.
0: So engage, cultivate, and retain. Okay. I think that's yes. a great way of wrapping our brain around this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just to, to clarify, what part of the arts were you performing? in? Was it theater? <laughs> uh, I, or? Did,
1: uh, I did musical theater for quite some time. Oh, fun! Would you like me to sing you something? Oh, no, sure. Go no, we, no, we ahead.
0: <laughs> we would love that. Okay. So, concerned. so um, I did a little bit digging about audience retention because I just want to get the nuts and bolts out of the way before we have a lot of fun brainstorming because <laughs> yeah. I know we both are into that. But um, so the one thing I did find is the research of Oliver Wyman statistic. And actually, I believe this was mm-hmm. in your article as well. So 50% yes. of your yearly audience are first-time attendees and 80% will never return. And why is that? Why do you think that is? You know,
1: uh, just that fact, is incredibly scary. It is. I mean, I I really wish that arts organizations would have that posted somewhere in their office so that they can realize how important developing your audience really is, especially these first-time ticket buyers. I mean, these are the people who have found you, perhaps through your means, by digital marketing, by your ads, by your e-blasts or perhaps not even by something you even initiated. Right. Yet they found you and they came in your door. They came in your door, they sat down, they left, and that is the extent of your engagement with them. That is something that really scares me as an arts marketer because this is something which is extremely important because these organizations are sitting on gold. Right. Okay? If these people, if these people came to us, to be entertained, to be moved, to be motivated. And why, why are we not bringing them back? Why are we not reaching out to bring them back? And, you know, there are many probably people listening to this podcast right now and saying, well, I don't know what you mean. I'm doing amazing things. <laughs> I'm sending them my season brochure and I'm sending them my, you know, donation letter and stuff like that. And then I really had people tell me that. And I stop and say, really? Really? Is that all you're doing? Wow. Because that you're not engaging. Let's talk about the first peg of the three, the engagement. Right. How are you engaging with these first-time people? That is not engagement. That is a sales piece. You're selling them. You have to get to know these people. And that's the great thing about what we've done at Diablo Ballet is that we have found by engaging with people on a human level, that has brought in the amazing numbers of subscriptions, of ticket buyers, of donations that we have seen.
0: So in terms of technology being part of the picture, I know Mm -hmm. a lot of us are relying on technology to gain more of a footing into our audience members' lives. At least that's what many of organizations are using the technology for. I just wanted to put out the comment that sometimes technology could be our worst enemy, because as you said, people, people are falling through the cracks. They can buy a ticket yeah. online, they can go to the show, and if you don't follow up in a meaningful, personal way, they may never come back. So I think that's kind of what mm-hmm. we're talking about here, and we'll get more into that because there was a term that you mentioned in your post called lazy marketing that I want to dive <laughs> deeper into. But for now, yeah. I think we need to talk about How do we then start engaging right away with with the new person?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, what we do at Diablo Ballet and has proven very successful for us is the most important thing is for an arts organization to get that first time ticket buyer back into your theater, your symphony hall, your concert hall as soon as possible. The longer you wait, the longer they have to forget about you. And, you know, we're thinking about ourselves as competitors to other arts organizations in our areas. Don't even think of that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole nother level. Let, think of it this way. People do not have to leave their house anymore to be entertained. They can watch their shows on Netflix. They can order their food online. Mm-hmm. They can Skype with their friends. Why do they need to go through the hassle? And for many of us, going to a show is a hassle. Finding the parking, going to dinner, maybe there's a babysitter involved. Right. All of those, the, all those hurdles people have to jump through just to come see your show when they don't even have to leave their home. So don't think about the theater company down the street as your main competitor. It's it's part of a much larger universe of competition that we are in. That is how are so you cutting? Tr- yeah, it is. And how are we cutting through the noise? How are you making yourself different from a Netflix binge? What is it about the arts that or about your organization that is going to draw those people in? So that's what we have to think about is the wider picture.
0: I totally agree with you. I have uh, done a few posts myself on this very topic that the world is our, I, I hate to say competition, but the world is vying for attention and I mean, we have things like uh, the Berlin Symphony Orchestra has live stream, Uh, the Detroit Symphony Mm -hmm. Orchestra. um, Many of the theaters are doing live stream events. So even if they're not right local in your neighborhood, they are an immediate kind of competition for your Mm -hmm. local company. And the fact Mm -hmm. that they can view this in their bunny slippers is basically... Uh, something that we need to consider because you're right. There's so many factors that go into getting somebody out the door and to your location in order to enjoy the show. So yeah. um, I would definitely say that as an arts business, we do need to sit down and figure out what are the challenges for people to come to our show. And mm-hmm, think about it exactly. and think about it that way, and what solutions can you bring to the table and it's something that I often well i th- I think we're getting a little better at this, but i I would love to see more of this type of planning happening
1: mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, and you're absolutely right about the engagement with the patron has to begin as soon as they have bought a ticket you know that is, that, that is the time to start the relationship and let's think of it this way. We are here to start a relationship with this ticket buyer. Mm-hmm. Think of it as a dating analogy. They're coming to our show. They're coming down. They, this is our first date. They sat. They loved it. They laughed. They cried. They had a great time. Hopefully. So what do we do? <laughs> what, do we, what do we do after the first date? Well, we hopefully we had a good time both ways. So we asked them for a second date. And then we keep going out maybe a few times. Then maybe it's time to get a little bit more serious. Maybe we'll do a flex pass. Maybe we'll do a you know a two show subscription. And then we're going a little bit more steady here. We really like each other. We're moving up the ladder. Okay, maybe it's time for that. Let's get on that knee, bended knee, and propose for a subscription. That's right. Maybe a full <laughs> season subscription. And then comes the big one, they're gonna become a donor.
0: Exactly. And
1: the and the marriage is made in heaven. After that, that's wonderful. So, that's, <laughs> that is, so it, but again, it's all about a relationship, you know. And what kind of relationship are are you cultivating with these people? Are you treating these people the same way you would a date? That's what I
0: think. Well, I love that analogy. I've I've heard other people use that before, and I think it is right on the money for for how you become more involved in their lives and vice versa. I think it's it, it is the truth. So what types of things, I'm just going to start here since we're still talking about engagement, Mm -hmm. what types of things do you think right from the start will build that relationship?
1: Oh, certainly. Uh, You know, as soon as we know somebody is buying, bought a ticket to Diablo Ballet, we immediately start the communication. The first thing they get is an email from us. Thank you so much. We are looking forward to seeing you. We have an exciting time plan for you. And then following after that initial engagement, uh, let's say they're a few weeks out to the show. They'll receive our first-timers guide. This is because we've identified them as a first-time buyer. We know that they've never been to our theater before. They don't know about parking. They don't know about restaurants in the area. They don't even know where the bathrooms are located. (laughs) Do Do you want to know that in all of our surveys that we do, we ask people what is one of their most pressing questions about coming to see us? one of the biggest response we get is, where are the bathrooms?
0: Right. When's the
1: last time we thought about that? So we tell them all of that to get them conveniently uh, you know, familiar with us before they even step in the door. Because, again, we want to take away as much hurdles as we can before they come to see us. Then, before they come see the show, the week before the show, we send them a what are you going to see email. This is a deep dive into, for Diablo Ballet, the, the works that we're presenting uh, interviews with the choreographers. We incorporate video interviews with the dancers and things like that. Again, to get them all familiar about what they're going to see. Uh, some people want to see this beforehand. Some people don't, and that's absolutely fine, too. But the content is there, and it's going to get them more familiar about what we are and what we're going to do and make it a much more pleasurable uh, evening experience with us. And, you know, then we start with the box office we when the first time ticket buyer comes to us we know that and they are flagged in our box office and our box office is also a key player in the engagement they know that when they come to you, if they're picking up their tickets that night we will they will see them and they will say hi we're so glad to have you with us this first time if you have any questions let me know or come see our concierge person in the lobby they'll be happy to help you so again we're starting yeah starting off on a good foot on with that and then here, here comes the big thing that I have found people absolutely love. The first time people who come to us, I write a personal handwritten note card on their seat. I leave it there. It's a very basic. Hi, Susan. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're glad to have you with us. Hope you enjoyed the show. That's
0: it. I know. And I, leave it- I got really excited when I saw that in the article <laughs> that you're doing that. I think that's that's wonderful.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, this, this is what seals the deal for me. How technology has really invaded our lives, and in this instance, perhaps not, not for the most positive things. People are reacting to a handwritten cor- card like gold. <laughs> it is one of the most amazing things they ever saw. And if you think about it, when's the last time somebody hand wrote a note to you? Was it that Christmas card? Was it a birthday card? If they are so infrequent, it hardly ever happens that when somebody makes that personal effort, To leave something specifically for you, the reactions are out of this world. I have never seen a better reaction to a marketing initiative that I've ever been involved with than a handwritten note. That tells you something.
0: Isn't that amazing? I've used that in terms of donation asks, like sending them Mm -hmm. a a handwritten note, and that has increased donations, believe it or not, because of that (laughs) phenomena that we're not connecting in that way anymore, in that old-fashioned kind of personal touch way.
1: Absolutely. It's all about the human touch. And everything that I've been telling you about what we do, as you can see, it's all human involved. It's not I've sent out this, you know, e new blast for 2000 people, you know, in just some generic way. It's all personalized. It's all getting getting giving us the chance to get to know these ticket buyers and then hopefully creating that relationship.
0: Right. And I, I love the fact that I believe you mentioned that engaging happens uh, basically before, during, and after. And that's a term I always say use BDA. And you (laughs) always have to make sure that you're engaging with them before the event, during the event, and after the event. So you you continue that relationship with them.
1: Absolutely. Extremely, extremely important. And one thing I'll say about after after they've come to your show, um, that is when you get to shine. Because this is something that is not expected by most people. They're not expecting you to go out of your way to say thank you. And it's great that organizations will send a follow-up email, you know, perhaps sometimes just hours after you've been to a show. Fabulous. That is an amazing thing. But the after is when this whole relationship dance begins. This is where you're able to find those special secret sauces that I like Mm -hmm. to call of your organization. That will get them to come back, and that is when we then start our whole uh, drive of our uh, cultivation program that has been really successful so uh, you know I'm happy to talk about
0: that yeah, I think <laughs> we're going right into that, and I think during that that segment, we can start talking about lazy marketing a little bit because it kind of ties hand in hand, especially with with cultivation.
1: It certainly does. It so, certainly so tell me does. a little
0: bit about what you do to cultivate your audiences.
1: Sure. Well, we we created a program in 2016 here called the Reaction Program. Basically, it is all about first time ticket buyers or even lapsed subscribers. All about getting them back into the uh, company, getting them back into the seats, and showing them what we do here and starting that engagement. So let's say a first-time ticket buyer comes to our November show. They immediately go into our reaction program, means that the cultivation begins, again, starting, what we started before they even came, but it becomes with the program starting after they've come to the show, they receive an offer to come back. It's as simple as that. You know, we would love to see you for our February program. Here's a, you know, a special $35 ticket you can get. Give me a call. Use this code and we'll be happy to have you come back. Again, it's all about getting people back in the door as soon as possible. And, you know, we have uh, hundreds of people take us up in that offer. And we track them throughout the whole season. Our season ends in May. And then at the end of May, we, uh, you know, approach them and say, you know, we're so glad you came two or three times to see us. Now we'd love to have you join us as part of the family. Here's a special uh, subscription package, a two-show, low-cost, choose-your-own package that you can choose your two shows you want to see for next season at a very low introductory price. Have you know? Join us. We'd love to have you with us. And that's where we see the fruits of our work, and that's where we see, and in Diablo Ballet's case, Uh, the huge growth in our subscriptions simply because we have taken the time to cultivate these people. We've taken the time to talk to them and they like what we do, obviously, but more importantly, they like that personal touch that we extend to them. And, you know, uh, the first year we did this, resulted in the highest subscription rate in Diablo Ballet's 25-year history. So I think that number speaks to itself.
0: Yeah, and the number actually is. I I made a note of it because I thought it was was, uh, phenomenal. I know many of us in the industry think that subscriptions might be dead. And then there's a part of our industry that's like, no, you just need to cultivate. And the proof is in the pudding when you Mm -hmm. do the cultivation. So your national... Uh, Against the national trend, subscriptions uh, nationally are down 15%, but Diablo Mm -hmm. Ballet is up 36%, and Mm -hmm. your first-year subscriber retention Nationally, down forty three percent, which is really stinky. Mm-hmm. But Diablo Ballet, wonderful ninety one percent increase, which is amazing. So it is. I, I hats off to you for doing the cultivation, <laughs> and it's just another another proof that when you do the engagement and the cultivation they're going to come back and they are going to become subscribers. So um, I like the fact that you, you definitely sat down and had a a concrete plan from the first ticket to getting them to the next show, to getting them to the subscription. And that's another thing that I'm hoping more organizations will start doing. It's something that Mm -hmm. I, I love to do in audience development plans is to make sure that you are hand holding to get them involved more and more and more along mm-hmm. the lines of becoming subscribers and donors and volunteers.
1: Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And, you know, one thing I would love to mention is that uh, during the, the cultivation period of these first-time ticket buyers, we do offer them discounts. However, we also offer them other experiences. For instance, they are invited to come into uh, our studio for to watch a rehearsal, or they're invited to a special talk a wine and cheese talk where we talk about our upcoming programs. So what we're trying to do here is not just shove out discounts. We are here to show them the full scope of, uh, you know, what the company is, also what the benefits are for being a subscriber so that they get a better idea of the company. So if other, you know, companies want to do this, don't just think about this as a discount program. Think about this as a whole 360 of your organization program show them all the things that you can
0: that's great so in a sense you're using outreach programs in order to continue the engagement and that does cultivate the audience member
1: absolutely the funny thing I find in the arts is that you know we're exposed to it on a daily basis you know a play rehearsal a a choreographed Rehearsal, something like that. It's like, oh, would somebody really want to come see a rehearsal of a a play and that thing? That is, again, gold to people who are not behind the scenes like we are. People are fascinated by this stuff. We had a special invite where we had our costume director talk about building costumes for Swan Lake. You know, Mm -hmm. that to people, to us, is like, oh, okay, they're building some more costumes. Here's some more tutus. The audience loved it <laughs> when they got a special invite. Oh. So, you know, it's it's like don't devalue what you have because somebody else is going to put a place of value on it.
0: Right. Somebody's going to be fascinated with how you construct a tutu. That's it. <laughs> That's great, and all the bedazzling involved, and yeah, that, yeah, it could be quite exciting. That's true. It is. That's it fun. Is. Well, this kind of brings me into because what it, when you're engaging and cultivating to the extent that that Diablo Ballet is doing, you're not being lazy about it. It takes time <laughs> and effort. So I'm segueing into the lazy marketing, if you can tell. I love that term actually because I it resonates with me so well. Uh, to the point it it inspired me to write another blog post this morning and lazy marketing to me means that we're relying too much on the technology to actually do the marketing for us and, and Mm -hmm. do the engagement for us and try to connect for us. And in your article that I read um, you made three points that I thought are important to talk about. And one of them was, you said, simply put, we need to put the human back into marketing. You also said that personalized communications are very important. And the third thing was hire a full-time audience development staff person. Of course, I'm always (laughs) cheering about that because for some reason that is put on the back burner or it's, it's, it's known as, oh, we already have a marketing person. Why do I need that person?
1: Exactly. So so exactly. tell me
0: what how do you feel about when you say lazy marketing, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm.
1: I completely agree with you that our reliance on technology has become, um, I'm gonna to say to a lot of points, a detriment to what we're doing because we are not engaging, we are just sending. So it's simple to shove out an e blast. Okay, let's do that. And that's our extent of engagement. Well, okay, if you think that good for you. I completely, (laughs) completely disagree with you 100%. You know, I have talked to organizations that say, oh, no, 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 we do, we do audience development. We post every day on Facebook. And I sit there and go, okay, that's fabulous. That's not audience development, but that's really great of you to do that. Right. So I think, I think the industry itself Needs to understand what audience development really is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I don't think people really have a clue about what it is. It's not group sales. It's not, you know, it's about bringing people in and bringing them back. And I think you're absolutely right uh, about the audience development positions. I, right now, thinking off the top of my head, can probably use one hand to immediately identify companies that have a dedicated audience development staff member. That's true. And you know what? And as much as it's wonderful to say your assistant marketing director is your audience development person, well, I'm sure that other person has much more on their plate besides generating and getting people back in the door. Now, it, you know, if you dedicate the time and the research and the staffing to bring those people back, at least here in Diablo Valley, we have seen the results. So why would you not want to do something that is going to be of revenue positiveness to your organization, so I've always found that ironic uh, that, that it's not happening as we should see. But in regards to lazy marketing, the other thing that I would say is we I just I'm finding people who don't really want to do the job, mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. that's that's really um, a scary thing to say because you know there are people out there who apply for these positions who want to be a part of an organization, and then you find somebody who is just sitting there, biding their time, and really not making the commitment to make things happen. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had an executive director I worked for, and I was working on an outdoor music festival kind of thing for my organization, Mm -hmm. and I had gotten a local hospital who wanted to be a sponsor, who wanted to be a part of this great thing. I walked into her office, and I said, I have a great idea for you. Her immediate reaction was, oh, God. (laughs) You know, and yes, I could take that as a humorous kind of approach. But in fact, it really wasn't because this person was really bored enough with their job that they did not want somebody else creating other things that they might have to do or to make their organization possibly do other things, too. And that was a really scary thing because when you're in an organization, or at least when I'm in an organization, I see my job is to move you forward. It is to bring new people in, to bring new exposure, to retain, attract, and all those other great things. If you just want to stay treading water, don't do anything new, do business as usual, that's really kind of sad because you're not advancing the art. You're not going to make people want to be a part of your organization. So that's what I'm talking about, a lazy marketing. Mm. I think there are just lazy people out there who are not doing the job that they should be doing.
0: Well, a couple of things regarding everything you just said. The one thing that I (laughs) think we need to start asking ourselves is, is it working? I mean, Mm -hmm. are you getting feedback from the Facebook posts? Are people actually emailing you back when you send an e-blast? And the way I look at it is, if you do not have a two-way street then that means to me that it's not effective anymore. So exactly. that's that's the first thing that we need to start asking ourselves, is it really working? Number two, the resources that we have. I think a lot of people are lazy because they feel they don't have enough, enough resources and capacity in order to carry out audience development. It's something I've seen in my career over and over again, and I'm going on my 11th year now. So um, what's happening is, I think they get too comfortable in relying on things that don't cost that much money, don't take a lot of time. But again, we have to ask ourselves, is that working? And can you reallocate the resources to the engagement and cultivation plans in order to retain the audiences? And that Mm -hmm. does work. So on the one hand, yes, it's a shift and that can be scary. But on the other hand, if you reallocate those resources, you're really not spending that much more time and energy. You're just putting it into a different bucket that actually does work. At least that's, that's how I look at it.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Because you know what? If you get stuck in a rut with your organization where you're accepting mediocrity or whatever it is, and that continues, that's just going to affect the overall organization. How are you going to be able to get out of that? Over the time, it reduces your capacity to communicate, to engage, and all that other great stuff. So you're absolutely right. Look at what is happening in your organization. Is it benefiting your organization? Is it moving you forward?
0: Right. I think that's something that I always say that people should have an evaluation after every program that they do, and they need to have an evaluation after every season. And if you're not doing the evaluation to see... What's working, what you need to tweak, what you need to kick to the curb, what you need to put more effort into, then you are going to end up just being a lazy marketer. That That's just <laughs> the way it is. So that hopefully is. If, you, if you decide to be a little bit more strategic and put your resources to the right things that will get you to the place you want to be with your audiences, uh, that's the way to go, in my opinion.
1: Yes. You know, there's another thing. Uh, that I've recently encountered. Have you encountered this? Um, I, I was recently talking to a theater company and they were talking to me about subscriptions and how subscriptions do really well for them, mm-hmm. which I considered really positive. And, but then they turned it and said, you know what, because our subscriptions are doing so well, we're losing money because we're, you know, giving a discount per ticket uh, for people to come to the show and i thought about that and i don't again if you've ever heard about this i'd love to get your feedback you know uh, they were looking at it as a negative way and i was saying to them well yes you are giving a discount to this person to come to the show however they're making a commitment to come to your show mm-hmm. they are filling they're filling a seat that could be a complete variable come showtime if that seat is not already sold but more importantly you know look at the lifetime value Of these subscribers, because I bet you most of your subscribers are your donors, which was the case. It's like, so these are not just people getting a ticket discount. These are people who are loyal to your organization and are now supporting your organization in a financial way. And that was kind of enlightening to them. And I was thinking, is this really? Is this really the thought that people have?
0: Actually, there are some companies that do feel this way. Um, most people, when they get a subscriber, they're excited for that. But there, there are a, a percentage that feel that way, that they're giving a discount to the people that are most loyal. So why are right. we doing that? Because they think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So a couple things. I think it was really great. You talked about how the subscribers uh, mainly become donors, especially Uh if you cultivate in that direction. So that is definitely a a positive to point out, and to point out that you don't have an empty seat for like five shows in a row if they (laughs) if they decide to do the the whole five showed subscription or something of that that nature. Right. so and it's cheaper to market to a subscriber than it is to a first- time ticket buyer. So yeah, you're saving absolutely. money in that sense. so the the cost of the discount can offset based off of the savings that you see. Right. But I would also say this this is an idea that I throw out there every once in a while. If you really feel this way mm-hmm. and you know that these subscribers are loyal, you could offer a full price subscription Mm. as an idea to find out if you weren't really (laughs) want to see how loyal they are, right? There are some people I I was doing a subscription drive for the Boulder Philharmonic years ago. Mm -hmm. And I did run across uh, an audience member that was like, don't you need the money? Why are you giving this deep, (laughs) deep discount to me? Don't you need the money? And right then and there, I'm like, you know, we do. And I actually offered her, do you want to pay full price? Is that uh-huh. something that you would consider? And she's like, yeah, I would actually. So huh. there, there's an opportunity here that, yes, it's a benefit to the subscriber to save money because they're, they're going to a great deal more shows than everybody else. And and many people that that want to attend more frequently may need that discount, especially in this day and age.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: there are people that are very loyal. They don't need the discount. Why not have a full price subscription? Why not?
1: Interesting. Just to,
0: Interesting. Just to see what happens. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, you will. Re- and I've been experimenting a little bit with sliding scale fees. And I'm finding right. out that I worked with um, the theater project in Brunswick, Maine, and they do a pay pay what you can. And we decided to tweak that that scale a little bit. So they had a a definite choice between I think it was like three or four different ticket prices. And they found out that there was a great, loyal part of their audience that would pay the full price that they set. Oh, so it's it's something to consider if you are in that realm of thinking, oh, my God, we're losing money.
1: Right. Right. It's an
0: option. Yeah, it is an option.
1: That is interesting. Well, that's a great great insight.
0: (laughs) So I would love to go into just like a little brainstorming session that would Uh talk about the the third point, which is retaining your audience. So Uh doing the engagement and cultivation is part of retaining your audience, but maybe there's Uh other things that we can do in order to inspire people to come back. So, um, I kind of did a little brainstorm and I would love for you to, to jump in when you want to, um, just to get some ideas out there. So basically one of the things I came up with was, and it's common sense is to have a retention plan. What are you going to (laughs) do to get people back? So, like I said, part of it is engagement and cultivation, but what are you going to do to actually try to retain these people? Um, uh-huh. I think the note on the seat and being more of a of a a wooer of your new audience member <laughs> as mm-hmm. you mentioned you're dating the audience member you're wooing yep. them to get married So what are you what are the types of things are you gonna put in that retention plan but definitely the first thing is to have a retention plan
1: uh-huh. um,
0: and we can talk about that a little bit more. The second thing I came up with is, you have the, the First Time Ticket Buyer's Guide, which I think I'm, I'm seeing a little yep. bit more of that idea out there. What about having mm-hmm. a video series that kind of walks oh, people through and, or having a, a video series that introduces them to the music or the dance or, or things of that nature so people can can understand it a little bit better before they go to the show?
1: That's, that's fabulous.
0: The third thing I thought of and people are doing are loyalty programs.
1: Yes, indeed. So
0: loyalty programs, <laughs> how do we reward them for them to keep coming back? And it has mm-hmm. to be obviously things that the audience member would consider a big perk. So um, when you do loyalty yeah. programs, I highly recommend talking with audience members to see what they would want.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, that's so funny you mentioned that. What's, uh, I, I can talk about this if you'd like, but we uh do something called the VIP card Mm -hmm. at Diablo Valley for our subscribers. Uh, Walnut Creek is a very uh, uh, restaurant saturated area with lots of great restaurants. And so what we did is we partnered with a lot of restaurants with this VIP card program, gives them special benefits and offers and discounts and all kinds of things throughout the whole year. Not just when they're going to see the show, they can use it 365 days a year. And so we thought it was really nice. And, you know, we hear that people used it and, blah 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 we weren't really sure what the retention rate or use rate of it was mm-hmm. we didn't want to go to the restaurants and ask them to track use and all that kind of stuff and so we we were sending out uh, one year the cards and they're personalized with their name well the mailhouse house kind of screwed up on some of them oh, no. and people got the wrong name on their call oh no we received hundreds of <laughs> hundreds of phone calls saying that i got my vip card but it does not have my name on it and suddenly we realized that people that we just thought was a perhaps a, a very side offer of loyalty to them was actually something they very much valued.
0: how funny it took a mistake to actually find out it what was did. going on
1: it did it was it was refreshing uh to see that you know that we, but again, it goes back to our perception. We think a rehearsal is boring. The VIP card, oh, it's fine, it's dandy. People wanted it. Right. We we were we were the bad judges of what really people valued.
0: You know, that's a good point because half the time we're trying to guess what we think they would want. And you're right, mm-hmm. what is meaningful to them may not be what we perceive as being meaningful Abs- for them. Ooh. So Abs- yes, I, I I think that's funny. I, I guess I shouldn't. I shouldn't call it a mistake. It's a blessing that that happened. Oh, yes, it is. But <laughs> sure, um, yeah, the fact is. of the matter is you found out right away that something you thought was like, eh, just okay, it turned out to be dynamic for the audience member. Yeah. So that's fabulous. Um, audience engagement programs can also be a way to retain audience members. And so if, if somebody comes to the show, like say you're doing a Swan Lake at the Diablo Ballet, What could Uh, you follow up with after the performance to teach them a little bit more or to get them more involved in that performance afterwards? And that's something that I don't see happen very often, but when I do, I think mm -hmm. it's really exciting because you're Mm -hmm. continuing that conversation and that relationship with the audience member after they leave the theater.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, the most time that I have found you're going to have a really great engagement with a patron is after a performance right that is when they have seen everything they have heard everything and that is the time that those questions those wonderful questions are going to come up and hopefully you will be there or somebody from your staff will be there to answer them because that is where the deep engagement really can start you know where people get to hear from you your perspectives perhaps even be educated about something that they just saw that they didn't know. People absolutely love that. And so for us, there is always staff members, numerous in our lobbies after the show, identified as such so you don't have to hunt them down and figure out do you work for them or not. So people and people will come up naturally to you. You don't even have to carry a sign around that says, ask me a question. People will naturally do that. And we find that that is one of the best engagement tools we have ever had. Following up after a show. But you're also right. How can we keep this conversation going days after it? Well, we find that we, um, after our our emails, after they've come, we will include uh, photos Hmm. from shows they just saw. People, uh, you know, love to get photos. They are very visually oriented. And we send them these photos as a reminder. Kind of, you know, like a memory book kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can rem- you can remember your your night at the ballet with these wonderful, beautiful photos we have. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I think the post performance is very ripe to find ways to continue that engagement uh, and get people back in and get get the stickiness to your organization.
0: So Dan, have you tried the new Facebook page group tool that they have, where you can form a group? on
1: your page? I have not, no. Okay, I'm very- I have found- Oh, go ahead. Facebook changes- Sorry, I have found Facebook changes uh, so much on a regular basis a lot of it is great. A lot of it can be very confusing. So, uh, no, I have not had the opportunity to do that. that.
0: That's true. It can be confusing. It's like every other day they, they put something different out. But I'm, I'm curious to see who in our industry is actually using it. I've been kind of itching to use it because it's it's perfect uh-huh. for this. It's the one, one way technology can actually keep us connected to audiences because you, mm-hmm. you're getting them to be a part of the conversation. And then you can answer questions questions after an event. Um, Uh I liken it to, you're in an interview for a job and they ask, do you have any questions? And during that moment, you feel a little put on the spot and you, you can't think of anything. And then you go home and all of a sudden, all these questions start popping up. So if they don't say, oh, you can follow up if you have any more questions, then you feel like, okay, what do I do with all these questions? But if we uh-huh. give them a place where they can ask the questions that they think of after the show uh-huh. and keep that conversation yeah. going, then uh-huh. it's just yet another opportunity and a way that we can stay involved in their lives and have them stay involved in, in our in our arts form.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: well, anyway, it's something to think about. I, I think I'm I'm itching to try it this year so I can report back <laughs> after I, I give it a shot.
1: <laughs>
0: um, And then, of course, I have on the list relationship building programs such as get to know your audiences. And this is something that I want to talk about just a little bit, and it, it's a good closer for all of this because, again, we don't wanna be lazy marketers. We want to connect with our audience members on a real honest and open w- format. And in order to do that, we need relationship building programs. And it's, it's more than just asking them a survey question. It's actually having more face-to-face time with them or having programs where again, it's a two-way street and they, they have conversations with us. So I wanted to get your, your thoughts on relationship building programs really quickly.
1: I think they're extremely important. I mean, we're talking about audience development.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> Relationships go right hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Without that relationship, you have nothing. So, you oh, know, wait. Slow down. Say stuff.
0: that again. Without the relationship, wait. you have nothing. Nothing. Oh, my gosh. You that, that's gold. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have to uh, use well, that you know, sometime.
1: It's, <laughs> no, it, it's, it, it's completely true. You know, um, who doesn't want a relationship? I mean, not only in real life, but let's talk about the arts life here. We have to have those one-on-one contacts that are going to create something meaningful. You know, and we in the arts obviously strive to do something meaningful. We want to touch people's lives. We want to make a difference in that. So when we can create those relationships how much better are we all going to be in the long run? How much better is your organization going to be in the long run? Mm-hmm. So, you know, cultivation, retention programs, they're very important. I think they're, they're a lifeblood for this, org- for these uh, organizations nowadays. We're all in financial crunch. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, not e- even the most financially stable. Arts organizations are not that financially stable. So in order to build that financial stability, we have to create relationships with people. And if that takes reaching out to somebody by phone or takes writing a note card, that should be something we want to do rather by instead of something that we have to do. You know, when we get ready for that perception of, you know, this is hard work when we get away from that lazy marketing perception, that is when you're gonna see the gold.
0: I agree, and that's when I usually do see the gold. So in my career, I have been able to state that on average audience development, you see a 35% increase if you were just to do a little bit of audience development. And that has been the the case. When you go nuts, you can see anywhere between 70 to 90% of an increase. In one season. It is just incredible because people are craving the real connections again.
1: They are. They are. Yeah, they're
0: craving being part of the experience, not somebody who just sits there and takes it in.
1: No, no, that's it. And that's why we're finding that content is king. You know, when we're sending out our e-blasts. We have to – we should be putting in stuff, you know, about our performances. These should not be buy tickets now. Tickets are going quick. Don't wait to get your tickets. You have to get them now. I I still see people sending out those e-blasts, and I go, really? I would love to know what your reaction rate to that e-blast is. I wanted to send out something that is going to inform somebody that's going to entertain them and going to engage them. Right. And that's why people crave that content nowadays. They want to read something. You know, uh, you know, we were screaming that, you know, Prince is dead for for so long. Well, I hate to tell you, Prince is not dead. It will survive perhaps another century. (laughs) And the arts should not be abandoning that. You know, we in our programs, we do a whole four pages of dance notes, Mm -hmm. which is a section specifically a deep dive into choreographers, into the dance works and things like that. People love that. Mm -hmm. And they will come up to us in the lobby and ask, I was reading in this paragraph where you said this about Balanchine, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wonderful. I am so thrilled that you took the time to read that. And that it means something to you that you want to ask somebody a question. You know, again, there's a level of engagement you're not going to get through your computer.
0: Exactly. I, I, Tend to also think that who you're asking to write these notes is engaging as well. Because Mm -hmm. I know in many of our programs, we have program notes, but some of them are so dry and boring. People kind of like just glaze over when they read it or they don't bother to read it at all because it's kind of boring to them. So Mm -hmm. if somebody comes up and says, Oh my God, I'm so interested in what you wrote here, then you're doing a great job of hiring the right person to do the program notes that actually will be at the level of engaging and, and giving out the great content.
1: It is, it is, you know, it's, it's all about accessibility too. You know, who are you like, for instance, When you write your website, let's talk about a website. When you write your website, when you put it up, when you put text on your website, who do you think is looking at that? Mm -hmm. Is it your well-informed subscribers and loyal supporters? Or is it probably going to be an intellectually curious individual? I'm going to say it's that curious individual, that possible first-time ticket buyer, who has come to your website wanting to get information. If you start throwing technical terms about, and you know uh, all kind of concert terms and operatic terms. Those people aren't going to understand it, and they're going to say, "You know what? I can't understand this. This is not for me." And a shutdown happens right there and then. So, especially on the website, we try to be very accessible about how we describe things, how we describe our performances. We don't use a lot of text jargon like that because, again. The first time curious person is not going to necessarily understand that so we're not that we're dumbing things down either i want to make that clear mm-hmm. we we should not be dumbing things down we should be embracing what we do and sharing what we do but think about how you're presenting that i think that is really uh one of the most important things about how we talk to new audiences
0: i agree the website i think and i've said this many times is your number one marketing tool. I mean, you put it Mm -hmm. on all your marketing, basically. People go there to get all the information they need to make a decision to buy a ticket. So it's very important that you're speaking their language and speaking a language that will get them engaged enough to buy that ticket and start the experience with you. Absolutely. So I would also say, though, that we've been talking mostly about retaining. I just want to put this in there that – We also need to make sure that we are getting involved with the people that that are regular people in our audience. Mm -hmm. So the website to me needs to be of different levels. And I always recommend that, have the information for the first time person, but also if they want more in-depth information, then they can click on a link and that person who's more involved already can get the more advanced version if necessary. So, yeah, it's, it's good to kind of cater as much as you can to the different types of audiences that you have. Um, Mm -hmm. so I know our industry is getting a little bit better, but we're doing it in that lazy marketing way. So I think it's a matter of sitting down and and diving a little bit deeper into each thing we need to do for the different types of audience members.
1: There it is. It is. And you're absolutely right. You know, uh, one of the great things about especially emails is segmentation. You know, nowadays we have the way we have ways to segment and speak to a particular audience who we know is very interested in this particular facet of what we're offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be, you know, uh, in the dance world, somebody uh, wants to see, you know, full length story ballets. Maybe they want to see more contemporary dance pieces because we have segmentation. We're able to put those people into, you know, certain lists. That when we specifically want to, you know, expose a specific piece that is going to, we think, going to be more of interest to them, we can target that. I'll tell you, targeting works very well. Mm -hmm. We have seen great results in that. Instead of just shoving out that e-blast to 10,000 people, throwing it against the wall, take the time to ask your people these questions. You know, do they they want to hear, uh, you know, a a classical Verdi opera? Do they want to see a contemporary opera? Do they want to see, you know, a, a musical? Do they want to see a play? Ask the questions and then sh- give them the information that they want. It's it's really basic, believe it or not. There's there's no brain surgery going on there,
0: right? Right. And it's not rocket science either. It's just good old fashioned common sense, and mm-hmm. it's good old fashioned learning to be with people again, in some sense. Our, our world has changed quite a bit, and we are hiding behind social media personas, so to speak, and I think it's time to go back to that good old-fashioned sense of shaking people's hands, having coffee with them, emailing them for no reason at all, but just to say hi and see how they're doing. Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of, we've lost that sense of common relationship building. That, that's the basic way to put it. So,
1: you're yeah. Abso- yeah, you're absolutely right. And I feel the reason is is because organizations do not want to make the commitment. They will want to do the lazy marketing and I'm just going to shove this e-blast out to everybody and I'm going to say that's audience development and call it a day. You know, when instead they could be bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands of new dollars because, uh, by generating and developing and cultivating these audiences. But it's I find that organizations... Are very, uh, resistant to making a commitment, even to something like what we're doing at Diablo Ballet. I've had a few companies contact us asking how we do this and what the parameters and all that are. And we have discussed that and tell them what it is. And a few of them have been, Oh, you know, it's, it, that's, that's really too much work for us. And I'll tell you, this was a company that was a $10 million plus budget company mm. who had a marketing staff of probably six, seven people. No. And it, and it was too much for them to do.
0: Unreal.
1: Right now, at Diablo Ballet, I, I am the staff. <laughs> and yet, we are making it happen. So, as much uh, with all due respect, I don't believe that's the case for your organization. You know, and, you know, and one of the other words I hate is scalability. Oh, we can't do that. It's not a scalable thing. Well, everything is scalable. And I find that that word is often used by organizations as as a way to say, no, we don't even want to try. We can't scale it to what we need. Well, how do you know unless you try? True. You'll never know. You know?
0: True. And I'm glad you brought up this point because I, I've thrown it out there before. That's one of the number one reasons why people do not try audience development is they say they have capacity issues. So being a one-person show on your organization's staff for audience development, what would you say to them, like how to get started? How what would what types of of things can they do right away that may not require as much commitment? I know that sounds funny, but just to get mm-hmm. their, their foot in the door and get started so they realize, oh my God, this works.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what we're doing here is scalable to you know a, a small organization or to a large organization. What we do here doesn't mean that you have to do it exactly the same. You can take elements, you can take parts of it, figure out what works for you. you know and that's the important thing because every organization is different. But if you want to get your foot and feet wet in audience development, first I would say your management has to make the commitment to want to do this mm-hmm. because you are not going to see the results. In a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, or maybe for your organization it may take a year or more. You have to make the commitment that this is something you want to do. You want to see what the results are, and so you have to want to go into it full dive, full head, full charge ahead. So what you would do, what I I would recommend, the most easiest thing is look through your data, find those ticket buyers who, for your season or whatever season parameters you want to create have maybe come back to you, I would say, once or twice, maybe twice, two or three times. You're going to see that those are fans of yours. Those are people who are perhaps loyal. And these people, by the way, should not be subscribers. They should be recurrent ticket buyers. Mm-hmm. We'll use that term. Mm-hmm. Identify those people. And what you do is you simply reach out to them. Right. Maybe for the next show. Okay, you know, come to a special pre-show reception. You can meet, uh, the conductor. You can meet the music director. You can meet something like that. Don't even feel like, again, you don't have to just throw out discounts. Think of other creative ways you can use your organization to benefit you. Invite them. Start that one-on-one relationship because I'm going to bet you have no clue what this person looks like. You probably have never even talked to them. This is the way to start that engagement. So invite them to a special thing like that. If they come, you make note of who attends that. And then, oh, maybe for the next performance, you do something else. Maybe you do offer them a ticket discount. Maybe you offer them something else, a free drink at intermission, something like that. But again, get them coming back as much as you can. And that is when you're going to develop that relationship. That is when you can say to them, wow, you have come to see us four or five times this season. We were so thrilled to have you with us. We want you to be a part of our family. Here's what we can do for you. And then present them with an offer. See if they take it. Don't be surprised, though, if they don't take your subscription offer the first time around. You have to make that commitment to keep after them. You know, people, uh, this is part of the courtship. People don't always say yes right away. They don't want to make a commitment right away. It could take them two years. It might take them longer. Again, have you made that commitment to stick to this program? Hopefully you have. Develop that relationship. You know, And if you want to do it on a larger scale, look at your first-time ticket buyers who came to your last show. <laughs> Go after them. How many have it been? Is it 300, 400, 600? Great. Find a way to cultivate them. Send them a postcard. Tell them call so-and-so, get this special deal. We want to see you again. And then when they come and they take up that offer, that is when you begin all these engagement points we've already talked before. So there's a lot of opportunities. You just have to make the commitment.
0: That's true. So if we want a couple things here, if we want them to commit to us, we have to commit to them. And the second thing is follow-up is everything. So the plans that you create need to have that follow-up element. So you you create more momentum with the relationship building, so they will continue to be involved in your arts organization.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Great. I think that yeah, you, you made a <laughs> wonderful point. You make the commitment. They make the commitment. There you go. Beautiful. That's it. That's everything.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, on that note, this has been just a joyous conversation. And as I said, I, I know you're a kindred spirit because half the things that you brought up, I was thinking right when you brought them up. So um, I, I am so happy that you were able to stop by the ADS podcast. So before we leave, do you have one piece of advice that you would give to somebody just starting out?
1: Uh, For audience development, uh, certainly. Yes. Uh, You know, just do it. (laughs) How much space can you get? Get Nike involved. Just do it. it. (laughs) Just do it. And, you know, again, we will come up with every reason why we shouldn't do it. We will come up with every reason why it's a bad idea. There is no such thing as a bad idea. Unless you have tried that idea.
0: That's so true. That is so true. And and the fact that you brought in Just Do It, like Nike advertisement, I kind of liken it to exercise. We all know the benefits of exercise. And if we got on a good exercise program, we will reap the benefits twofold or threefold. And it's going to make us feel better and things are going to work That's how audience development is. It is a commitment. It's like that plan. And once you you commit to it wholeheartedly, you will get the the benefit of it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it again. And I want to wish you even more success in the future.
1: Well, thank you for having us. And uh, everybody out there, go go get develop your audience. <laughs> Don't sit here.
0: That's right. Don't just sit down. Don't be a lazy marketer. Go out there and use audience development. That's right. Well, that was a lot of fun talking with Dan Marr. And I do apologize. I believe he noted that his organization is called Diablo Ballet. And I kept saying Diablo Ballet. So pardon that. But... I'm so excited he was there for us in order to have this conversation. You may have realized that some of the points that came out of this conversation has been in some of the other podcasts as well, so kind of served as a reminder of everything that we could be doing in order to engage, cultivate, and retain audiences, so if you have any thoughts for us and want to chime in, if you have any audience retention ideas for our audience, that would be wonderful for you to send it to me. You can send it to ads at buildmyaudience.com or you can go to my website, buildmyaudience.com, hit the podcast page and I have a voicemail speak pipe page that you can record a little segment that I can include in a future podcast. So don't be a stranger. Please check me out, buildmeaudience.com. I also have three books available. I have The Howl of Audience Development for the Arts, The Dao of Audience Development for the Arts, and my brand new book is Affirmations for Nonprofits, Best Practices for Building Support. So please check those out when you're able to. And I look forward to seeing you again on another ADS podcast. Thanks so much for joining us.